welcome back to Crack On. This episode concludes season one as I'll be taking a little break. If I haven't mentioned it in literally every episode, I'm getting married next week. I also wanted to give a little update as I know some of you are aware that I've been on this really important journey with Aaron. Before we enter into this union, it was crucial to me that he watches Friends from the very beginning. We have 10 episodes left. And it was announced this week that the Friends reunion will be airing on May 27th, the day before our wedding. If that isn't the Friends gods giving us their blessing, I don't know what is. Anyway, because this is the last episode of season one, I wanted to go out with a bang. I honestly couldn't believe this week's guest said yes. I've grown up watching her on TV and she has had the most incredible career all over the globe. It is the amazing Victoria Smurfit. Victoria didn't hold back in this chat. She was so open about times she's cracked on, cracked under pressure and also just having the crack. She exceeded my expectations and I am so happy I was able to have her as a guest. Please enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Victoria Smurfit. I am so excited that you said yes. Thank you. Listen, I'm so excited you asked me. Like, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's funny because my fiance Aaron is with United Agents, and I thought, okay, do you know what? I'm going to hedge my bets and just try get an email for your agent, and they got back to me. I really was like, I'm not going to hear back. And I was so delighted. It was like a big, we went out for dinner and everything when we got the response. I was like, yes, what's going on? <laughs> God, some pressure. <laughs> no, yeah, look. United are lovely. And they'd never, they'd never not tell you what comes in. So, you know. That's great. Uh, I, I would say a lot of people, especially because, look, this is my first season of doing the podcast. It's relatively new that I would say some people are just like, I'm not even going to pass this on you know so I was delighted that they did I know they'd never do that so your your fiance is with a good a good um a good agent so good. be comforted by that yes okay good <laughs> and so how are you so you are in London at the moment you are living in London is that correct yeah I'm living in Notting Hill and loving it it's fantastic it's just you know everybody says because we came back from LA um nearly two years ago now in June I can't believe it because of course a year and a half it's been just kind gone. of yeah 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 just gone and uh, um and everybody goes oh you know are you missing the sunshine and you're, I'm like not really I mean look don't get me wrong it's May it'd be lovely if it was vaguely sunny and for brief moments it is yeah. but um yeah no I don't yes. I well actually we have a similar um you know timeline in the sense that so I'm from Dublin and I did my graduate visa in LA and then after LA, I moved here. So we've had a similar timeline in jumping around the place. But there I do, go. like, I, you know, and so many people used to ask me as well, like, oh my God, why would you leave? And I'm like, well, the main reason is my visa was up. Like there was no option to stay. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But I would love to go back again and experience that lifestyle for a few more years, knowing that ultimately I would probably settle here because I think, as you said, like even just being so close to home, it's you, it's just priceless. Like you can't, and you yeah. don't have that over there. Even if you are beside the beach, you know, you still miss your family and your friends. You do. You don't realize how much of a support network you have until you don't have it. Mm. Um, and so when you are, you know, in a, as I used to always say, yes, but I'm only asleep away. I'm only asleep away. And it is only asleep away, but it's asleep at, you know, 40,000 feet um, mm-hmm. at cost, at schlep, at jet lag, at whatever. Um, um, but 
it is if you've got the itch to do it, just go do it. Um, and you know, it because it's it's there's so much to learn and it's so fascinating and it's brilliant. The, um, one of the many things that they're brilliant at over there is the the, the yes attitude. Is mm. just I've got an idea for it. yes. Uh, how about yes? Rather than I suppose in many ways um, we've got less of that in our culture. It's more oh, no. Why would you even think about doing something like that? You know, you so, so it's true. quite yeah. nice to have the grounding of of um, don't be a pain in the ass of Ireland and the potential like big wide mental scope of the American and somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. a good place because um, it, you know the, the downside of the US and the yes mentality is everybody you meet is the most amazing inspiring awesome person <laughs> and I just know everything about everything and I'm really incredible you're like okay <laughs> so good true. yeah you know yeah. um and and that that uh, uh so, so something in the middle and maybe it's London um is, yeah. is is a fine balance so go learn it be fascinated by it yeah. let it drive you mad come back. and then come back well also I kind of like myself and Aaron have a joke that we're like okay we'll go over there we'll have kids so they never have to worry about a visa and then we'll just bring them back here <laughs> that's not a bad idea but you know <laughs> what, what you don't want them to do is go oh, mom I'm Irish but they as young kids it's an ideal place to be because it's sunny and they can run around barefoot and it's a you know yeah. it's a great spot to be when they're yeah. living are your kids ever like why did we leave or are they so happy no no um I, actually um, in timings, timings wise, it worked out well because when they were little and they were interested in the beach and they were interested in, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, they were there. Mm. And um, and now they're sort of teenagers. They want to be able to go to Portobello Road. They want to go to Chinatown. They want to go meet their friends. They want to get on the bus. They don't want you to annoy them. Just uh, let me have your Apple Pay. And um, by the way, here's my laundry. <laughs> So, you know, which is a complete teenage rite of passage. So yeah. uh, it's actually, in, in timings-wise, it's worked out well. Oh my God, great. That is so brilliant. Well, okay, we could obviously, you know, chit-chat, but I want to get to what the concept of the podcast is, which is times in our life where we had to crack on. Um, and so what I like to do is, you know, talk through a couple of times in your life um, and you can share as much or as little as you want. They can be... It can be trivial. It can be very deep and personal. Um, but yeah, so it's basically just, you know, a time when you had to find the silver lining in something that was quite hard and how you overcame it. And yeah. So what do you have to share with us today? Um, so what times where you had to just crack on? Well, there's, you know, in terms of um, I'm all about the silver lining. I love it, love it, love it. And I'm absolutely convinced there is one in every single situation there is. There's just no two ways about it. Sometimes you have to work a little harder to find it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really obvious. Such as I remember once um, somebody crashing into me while I was driving to go see a friend where I was going to their house for a party. And I was broadsided. My car was absolutely decimated. And um, I had to push it over into the side of the road. And I thought, okay, uh, uh, this is great silver lining. Ah! Silver lining is I can drink at the party now because I'm not driving. <laughs> so I love that silver lining. <laughs> so sometimes you know you just you just have to search it out. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of tougher things, I suppose. Um, 
sometimes so we take have to time to on. think about it. Don't worry, there's no rush. <laughs> well, in in sort of less trivial, or from a less trivial point of view, um, times where you have to crack on. Um, the big ones in my life, I think, are divorce and um, my daughter's diagnosis um, of losing her sight. Um, and there's, you know, those are moments where everything kind of um, almost goes into slow-mo because mm. you're you're fighting to kind of process the information and allowing it to be real, really. Um, uh, you know, I, I always think of it as that moment where I watch the planes, which sounds like a, this sounds like a really strange segue, but I think of those two moments in the same way as, as even having a car crash where you see the tree coming and it all slows down and then you hit the tree or that surreal moment of watching the planes crash into the twin towers mm. god love everybody was such a surreal moment it takes your brain a second to go well is that is that real is that actually is that real life that can't be real life that, that's got to be uh, a film or it's got to be that can't be real life and mm -hmm. those moments that it takes a beat for your head heart and body and soul to kind of get back in one and go okay this is real now what do we do and, and like you say you have to crack on um with uh, the there's 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 one of the because uh, I laugh with Evie about you know what are the silver linings of her diagnosis and um, <laughs> she has she has the most amazing sense of humor that kid she really does because I have one rule in the house when they became teenagers I said you're going to be mean there's nothing to no to, no we'll never think anything mean yeah you will you will don't worry about it there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> but as long as you're funny as long as when you're struggling you're funny then you're going to be fine. So they are, um, she's extremely funny when I just had to get glasses recently and, um, and Evie goes, oh, well, who's the Stevie Wonder now, mom? And I just thought, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so on PC and, but so funny. And I'm like, brilliant. So she's got one of the, the silver linings is she's got an incredible sense of humor from her situation because she has to deal with so much on the daily basis and she's also got this incredible she's got that like this I don't know is it a what's an extrasensory perception or something it's very odd so um what one time I was driving them to school when we lived down in the countryside over here and she's behind me in the car right she's literally sitting behind me and I got a text message that was deeply irritating at um I set a ride light now I didn't even huff and puff. I didn't make a sound, but it washed through me. And it was like, bleh, bleh. but I said nothing, did nothing, nothing changed. She's mm -hmm. behind me. There's a car seat between us. And she goes, what just happened? Who's irritated <laughs> you? And I'm like, are you kidding? So I can't get oh my God. anything. That is so amazing. These are funny, small, little quirky um, uh, silver linings to a, what was a really big, huge, um, devastating uh, moment. Um, so her uh, diagnosis came in at, so from what I've read, and I, I watched her interview on The Late Late and I could not believe- Wasn't she brilliant? Like, she is incredible, <laughs> but also it was like halfway through the interview and she said something like, I, I think it was herself or Ryan said, oh, I'm, I'm 14. And I, if she had said I'm 23, I would have believed her. Like I couldn't I believe that she's, uh, like she was only 14 in that interview. She is amazing and just yeah. so positive. Like she's just so brilliant.
Yeah, she's unreal. And she's 16 and a half now and she's taller than me and delighted with that fact. Um, Lords it over <laughs> me every day. And she's, uh, she's, she's a force of nature. She really is. So, uh, um, yeah, and I remember in that interview, <laughs> she just said... Uh, because I didn't know how she was going to be, you know, I hadn't a clue. My 14-year-old so daughter was going on live anything. TV. Yeah, yeah. No, Imagine. like I hadn't a clue. And uh, and I was there going, oh, how's she going to be? And I thought I'd have to take over. Not at all. Wasn't needed at all. And uh, at one point she just goes, you know, well, because Ryan said something like, what's making you want to talk about this and get out there and, and drama? And she goes, well, if we all just sit on our butts and do not, and complain, <laughs> nothing is going to change. And she turns to the live audience and just kind of says, I'm fully aware I'm sitting on my butt right now complaining. However, and the whole place is <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> what a girl. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So for listeners that might not know the story, can you just explain? I mean, I don't know how to pronounce the the condition she has. So what is it? A degenerative eye condition? No, is that got, right? She's, no. she's got um, Stargardt's macular dystrophy. Okay. which is like a um, sort of it's in the world of macular degeneration, which uh, a lot of people get with age where your eyes just start, um, you know, right, losing, yeah. losing their strength. Um, but what Evie has, it's a genetic um, condition and it means that she's losing her central vision um, because her retinal cells in um, the back of her eyes are basically blowing up they're they, they're sending off a phosphorus so she sees instead of in her central vision instead of seeing things um that space um that has the acuity to see is gone and it's 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 degenerative over time so, so um tough. She, and at such a young age as well it's like i know ah, look it's gross there's no two ways about it mm-hmm. but um, to bring it back to your podcast, she is cracking on and she's being yeah. pretty incredible. And she's done, you know, she does all these sort of, she fundraises and does um, speeches and, um, you know, does the you know, press and stuff for fighting blindness and for the RNIB. And uh, and we're going to, hang on, let me touch wood, um, where we've signed on to um, do a documentary. So She's, it's all sorts of lots of little things that are, are keeping her very positive about her kind of role as an advocate in the, um, in her community of um, people with sight loss. She's amazing. And it's, it's interesting because it wasn't until I read an article, I think it was a couple of years ago when I read the article, but it was you and her. I had never even heard of it. So she's Me neither. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> how amazing that she is just spreading this awareness at such a young age. I mean, well, yeah. She, well, that's her. That's her kind of driver. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She's cracking on by making sure that no other kid uh, gets a diagnosis because it comes on with puberty, um, usually. Uh, that no other kid googles it and goes, "What in the name of God is this?" Mm. They can go, "Oh, Evie Vector. Oh, watching stuff. Oh, um, it's known." So that because the one thing about um, sight loss is you're not wearing a badge saying, "I can't see very well." So a bit like men- mental health, there's nothing on the outside that you can tell. So mm. it's it's a, it's an interesting one. It's a, and she's, uh, yeah, she's cracking on. And Amazing. I'm cracking on in her wake. Yes, yes. You guys are incredible. And so talk to me about one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, overcoming your divorce. Obviously, I don't know how, you know, I can't relate to that. I don't know how one overcomes that what were some of the positives that got you through or things that you relied on to get you through that tough time 
Um, your friends, I think. I mean, it's like any heartbreak, um, you know, uh, divorce or splitting up or whatever it is, it's something you believe in. Um, and, you know, loads of people have been through it. And, and what what I think um, the best thing is, is um, your your best buddies. That is because they they know you. You, st- you sort of, you lose the perception, your sense of yourself. And your buddies are great at bringing you back to that and bringing you back to um, who you are so you don't fall down um, a well. And the other silver lining of that, as you're cracking on, is um, knowing that it doesn't break you. It might do momentarily, but, you, you know, like everything else in life, it comes at you, sings and arrows, there you go, whack, 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 you can bash off so many of them. Yeah. Some of them land, and when they land, you fall to the ground, you go, mm, bleeding, that's not good. Okay, and you either decide to lie there and bleed out, or you get up, pull the arrow out, patch it up with something, and crack on. And I think, you know, particularly as a um, in our Irish culture, we believe very much in pull the arrow out, patch it up with, you know, some bandages and crack on. Um, mm. And But your best buddies are there to be able to uh, um, get that perception of your of yourself and what you're going through back. Also, you can whinge unmercifully with your best girlfriends as well, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. What's and better it, than that? Yeah, 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 exactly. There's no like, and you, they don't charge you. That's the best <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's it. Therapy for the price of two bottles of pink. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So obviously you've had such an amazing um, acting career. Like t- talk to me sometimes in your career where you've had to crack on or, you know, even an audition or, you know, surely there has to be some setbacks that you had to overcome or, or was there, you know, I, I mean, oh. where I'm sitting, you are doing amazing. So <laughs> bless your heart. But, um, um, there's loads of setbacks. You, I mean, for a start in the acting business, there's a ton of rejection. So, and you can get so close to them and you've got your heart set in it. You're, you're, you're almost playing the character while you're cooking dinner. You're, you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. And then they go, no, and you go, oh God, mm. um, and you have to just crack on. Um, I, I, I kind of go, I, I do things like say, say, well, you know, you say all these positive things like, well, one more no is that be closer to a yes or yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want that job anyway. <laughs> all this rubbish. It wouldn't have worked. Yourself. It was, it worked. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, you know, they don't deserve me and all this rubbish you say to yourself, but um, that you have to do constantly because in every in every part of this industry there's tons of rejection and but nobody sees that they only see the ones that that you get and there's all sorts of moments when you're filming (laughs) that you you have to um crack on when say if your co-star doesn't know their lines and um you're having to just get through it and say it regardless um mm-hmm. try not to murder them or they come <laughs> at you or they come at you with some stuff that is um I remember I was when I was I was actually pregnant on one job and one of my co-stars got really snitty with me for some reason and um and he kept on sort of goading me goading me goading me and I just thought keep it cool keep it cool keep it cool and then he just went oh does mommy want some time out does mommy want some time out because I was I was pregnant and I thought and it lit a fire that started round about my pinky toe and it <laughs> through my body. Like, and I don't ever, I don't lose my cooler work because I, I love work. Um, 
And I don't tend to lose my temper often, but when I do, it's not to 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of those not to 60 moments where I completely and utterly lost it. Um, Fair. Uh, uh, um, so in terms of, you know, sort of those, those kind of setbacks, those can be, they're just things that happen in everybody's workplace at times, you know, it's, it's just what goes on, but it's, but because I think when you're, when you're in the acting world, you kind of have to be a bit open to those things and arrows because you're doing all that emoting business um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you can, you can find yourself not having your protective walls available. Um, that sounds so pretentious. I'm so sorry, but I'm talking to oh, another actress. So that's okay. I know you get it. But anybody who's not an actress out there, I really apologize. That's really <laughs> um, but it's, it's uh, um, yeah, there's always, there's always moments when you're filming or, you know, you suddenly go. Um, I remember one time I had to repel um, down a quarry um, and I was doing Dracula and I was playing this kick-ass dominatrix vampire slaying takes no prisoners and I Vic me not great at heights and they said to me at one point uh, you know said just said in the script Lady Jane repels down the side of a cave lands in um, a pit of fire and chases after Dracula something like that I thought oh that sounds fun (laughs) that sounds fun but what that meant in real life was it's one o'clock in the morning you're at the top of this extremely deep quarry in um, Budapest. The, all that you can see at the bottom is fire. And they say, you've got to walk along this narrow edge, get to the edge, um, clip yourself in uh, with your back to camera, and then rappel down the camera But in the uh, below you is catching you in real time is the one above. We've got four cameras on this. We've probably got two goes of it because we're running out of time. Go. And you're in thigh-high um, boots and a bustier and a corset and a leather coat. And I'm carrying gherkin knives. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I remember going into that and climbing right to the top of this quarry going, I am so terrified. Yes, but you're not you. 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 What Lady Jane? Lady Jane would love this. Lady Jane would love this. And by the time we went, we went to turn over and I, I went to the edge of the quarry, I went at it like a woman possessed, loved every second of it, jumped down the side of the quarry, threw myself into the fire pit and ran after Dracula. And at the end, I just kind of, what they they said, cut, we got it. And I I literally, my body just went into jelly because Vic, Vic then went, holy God, what just happened? Yeah, it's like, oh, that was me that did that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. um, And you can have an awful lot with sex scenes where you go, how am I gonna, and you just have to crack on. Mm. Um, Usually what I do before any any of those is, especially if you're naked in front of the crew that you've known for months. Oh my god! Your cast member. <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre. My only way to crack on is to go on set. I remember I had to get in a bath with Johnny Reese Myers on set, and oh, that's, you know I can't complain about that. But the reality is, I have to take all my clothes off. Um, I, um, I had to. I decided to get on set in my toweling robe, and everybody likes to fuss around you, and it's going to be a closed set. It's never a closed set, and um, I just dropped my telling Rome and said this, this is what it is in the front and I said 360 <laughs> this is me from the back that's all I've got 
now let's shoot something. And it sort of just... Like any stopped. openness surely is out the window then from At there. that point, who cares? I figured, and then, you know, they're trying to cover you up in between takes. I'm like, everybody's seen everything, who cares? Um, you that know, is so, so cool. That is amazing. It, <laughs> that, that was definitely a moment of cracking on. Yeah. Oh my God. That is amazing. So one of my favorite films of all time is about a boy. It's just, I just think it's a classic. And I actually have a tradition that when I go on holidays, you know, when you come back from holidays and you're a bit like, oh, I wish I was still there. So I always put on about a boy because it makes me really happy to be back in London as well. Because it's such a good. Oh, how lovely. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it's just great. It's a classic. Um, So how did that come about? You know, that was like, obviously you had been working for years by then. But yeah, are you as, you know, like I had uh, Brona Gallagher on um, earlier in the season and I was talking to her about Pulp Fiction and she was like you know sometimes I still can't believe I'm in the film you know like is it similar for you like do you ever kind of look at these amazing projects that you've done and you're like oh my god like this is so cool that I'm in that (laughs) Uh, that is a particularly cool one and it is it was it was such a brilliant film for its time and like you say it is classic and it stood the test of time and the thing that always makes me laugh is I know it's Christmas time when I start getting the text I'm out of boys on and I'm like oh Right, I better get the tree up. Time to get the tree up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, I, you know, it was, it was an incredible thing to be part of and go to work and you've got Hugh Grant there and to be, you know, even I'm, I'm getting so excited because I had to okay my image on badly drawn boys CD cover. And I was like, oh my wow. God, because they've got little, they've got little sort of um, silhouettes of all the, uh, of um, Hugh and Tony and myself and Rachel. And I thought, Oh my God, that's so exciting. I'm on a CD yeah. cover. I'm finally drawn boy. You know, that was, that was, that, that kind of blows me away a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, that was a hell of a day. I just met, I met with the, um, the directors who were hilarious and we went through the scenes and they were so nice. And um, next thing you know, I'm on um, set with um, Hugh Grant. Amazing. <laughs> he was just... delightful. He was so fun so delightful he improvises madly and he's brilliant he's just a comic genius that makes me happy to hear because I feel like he's one of those people that like people almost want to believe that like he's not that nice or something and I'm so glad to hear that he is (laughs) oh he's he's lovely listen I'm sure he's grumpy as hell when it suits him and and that actually makes me even happier to know that um but he's (laughs) he's 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 very very funny I found him delightful really that's so cool. So what's your favorite, uh, like what has been your favorite gig to work on? I mean, pro- probably like are TV shows funner to do because you kind of get to, I don't know, like make friends with everyone and you can actually get used to going to work or is is that like not ideal for, you know, an actress that like kind of want to be creatively yeah. challenged, I guess. Um, I prefer TV for the speed of it. Okay. Um, uh, because I always struggled a bit with the idea of we've worked for an hour, now go sit in your trailer for three and then come out, we'll do another 20 minutes and then go sit in your trailer for another four hours. I just find that um, um, frustrating. So I, I love the speed of TV where it's just like, go, 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 go. And you're doing, you know, 14 pages in a day rather than two. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I love the challenge of that. Uh, um, that works better for for the speed that I operate at. Um, uh, so I do. I love. I I I love. 
I loved, I, I've loved every job I've done. And that sounds so annoying. Um, but, I, you know, when I finished um, uh, Dracula, I thought, oh my God, I'm never going to get costumes this outrageous or outlandish or play anybody this camp again. And then I got Corolla Deville, and I'm like, okay, I'm back being camp and outlandish and costumes are astonishing and extraordinary. And that was great fun because you're um, in all of these TV shows, especially if they're, they're, they're big ones, is that there is lots of different things to navigate. Um, so you're navigating the environment, you're navigating a language barrier, you're navigating the hours, you're navigating sometimes the script. Um, so there's, there's always, there's always challenges no matter what you're doing. And, uh, I love that. I love being able to work on all those different levels and, mm. uh, and the people I got to work with are just, you know, great fun. And even when they're difficult, they're great fun. Um, and, uh, so yeah, TV, I find great crack like the strange things like one time on Dracula we had to do this scene Johnny and I where they said to us right you're going to go into this carriage and you're going to um uh start you're going to make love but you're going to be fighting I'm like what and <laughs> uh, it goes yeah basically yeah I uh, okay uh, well do you have any ideas They're like no you two have known each other for long enough just go in there and get out of it and so Johnny was like, well, that's true. And Johnny and I sort of shook hands and said, and I had breakaway shirts and he had breakaway ties and we're fully in the costume of the period. Corsets, you name it, hats, that, the whole shebang. And we got into this tiny little carriage with the camera up top and one at the door. And we had no idea what we were going to do. And, uh, um, and so Johnny and I shook hands and said, anything goes, good luck. And um, we made that deal because we'd known each other so long. And I'm smacking him around the face. He's picking me up and throwing me on the on the bottom of the floor. He's ripping my shirt off. I punched him. I took his trousers off. Like it was, we're pushing each other against. Um, I mean, it was brutal, but hilarious. Yeah, and it's used as like this tiny little snapshot in the show. But the process of getting that snapshot was um, a complete trust and the complete freedom of having been in a TV show and trusting each other yeah. for as as long as we've known each other. God, that is incredible. That And it's all like part of the experience as well. Even though sometimes I guess like from like I see Aaron go to work every day and then <laughs> we'll watch something back. And like just recently he filmed a third season of a TV show he's doing. And uh, mm -hmm. we were in Manchester for eight months. And then sometimes you see the finished product and I'm like, is this why we upgraded our life? You're in it for a second. <laughs> but like, it's all worth it in the end, you know, like. It, it is. And and the thing is, and it's hard for everybody to understand, he could have been in lots of other things that didn't work with the storytelling in the end, yeah. or he was he had to be there off camera, or he had to be part of the, the ensemble or whatever. So yeah. it doesn't mean he wasn't going to work every day, let me tell you. But yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, this is just how, how it works. A lot of it just ends up on the floor to be able to tell the story as concisely as possible. And how do you find, you know, with something like Dracula, you were filming in Budapest, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how is that? Do, do your kids come with you? Do you bring the family or is it just, okay, I'm going to miss them so much, but I just have to do this for X amount of time? Um, well, I found that once they got to school age, you can't be moving them. Um, mm. so, uh, what I do when I was doing Dracula was every time I got, um, four days off, I would fly home. Sometimes I flew back to LA for 12 hours. Um, 
And it was a 19, it was 19 hours door to door to have 12 hours to be there to make their dinner when they came home. And, uh, and it always operated the same way, which was, mom, you're home. Cut to, Flynn just kicked me. Cut to, what did you bring us? Cut to, I'm hungry. And it would happen like that every single time. So oh. I knew that that was their process and that it was, it was perfectly normal. And they were, they were young enough. And now I just, uh, I just did a, uh, an episode of a show in South Africa. And I just have to say, guys, I got to go for four weeks. I'll be back in a bit. And they get it. They're, they're, they're used to it. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, okay. Well, that's good to know that it's doable. You know, it, it is. Just, I mean, not on the, me. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, um, you know, I get emails from my agent saying in the US saying, come and meet on this job. It's seven months in Atlanta. And I'm like, no. Um, so you just have to, you know, pick and choose and see what works at the different stages of the lives that your kids are at, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was, I couldn't have gone, hey, guys, I know we're in a pandemic. And I know you're doing online schooling, but I'm going to go to Hawaii for six months on a job. You know, I just I couldn't do that. But I could I definitely mean, leave them for four weeks in South Africa. The Hawaii thing does sound tempting, though. <laughs> I, listen, it was tempting. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. OK, you're a good mom. <laughs> but good Irish guilt kicks in. I know. I know. That's it. So my first question of the lightning round is your idea of crack. So it can be a night out, a night in, whatever it is. My idea of good crack. Okay, my perfect evening would be, I just got a call from the agent to say that whatever it was I auditioned for that I really, really wanted to do that was filming in London, just came in and they're paying my rate. That's happening while I'm in the bath getting ready to go out. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, a glass of wine on the side by the bath and um, I'm heading out to meet the girls to have cocktails and burgers and um, laugh until we're thrown out. Um, that is basically my idea of utter heaven. Amazing. Just, what, just yeah, like that's bad food, bad food, good wine, all my, my, my ladies. And um, because the, the great, the, the fun thing about being with your ladies is no. Um, topic goes uncovered and you can start it's like I don't know about you but we will start with the laughter the hijinks the info the tears the I love you know you have to go through the gamut and um, and then whoever is is most capable orders the ubers <laughs> I love it this is so similar to my night side I love it there we go you know it's like it's 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 um, easily pleased. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the perfect answer. So a habit you can't crack is my next question. A habit I can't crack. I can't crack not getting on an aeroplane without saying a little prayer mantra. Can't do it. Can't do it. But and that's my a logical good brain. Habit. No. Well, look. My logical brain knows that scientifically, at no point is me um, uh, asking anybody to keep me safe on this airplane is going to change the functionality of the airplane <laughs> and uh, you know the life and the possibility I'm fully aware it's illogical however it gives me some peace of mind because I'm not in charge of the airplane not that I can fly a plane but um I think that would be that that that's that's the one I can't and I tell myself as I'm going to the plane 
it's not going to make any difference that you do this. And still I have to do it. And it has to be as as my right foot goes on the plane, I say a little thing. And so, and if you're an air hostess and you're listening to this and you've seen me get on the plane, I'm weirdly slow between my right foot and my left foot getting (laughs) onto the plane. That's why. So I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes just those things, like I am obsessed with crystals and I like, it's so ridiculous. I will, I will bring like a, a rose quartz in my bra when I go out to see people so that it's a positive vibe. And like, it just, (gasps) oh my God, I have my crystals literally over there to hope that this interview will go well. (laughs) So, so to give you the listeners, because you're not seeing us, is I've just pulled a tiny rose quartz out of my bra and <laughs> See, look, we just, ha- whether or not it helps, we just have to do it. <laughs> I think it all goes back to the folklore and the, and the, and the you know, the, that, that kind of thing within our, our culture of like, well, if I knock twice here, it'll be this. And if I don't go under the ladder and superstition and whatever. And ultimately, whatever you do that gives you a bit of peace of mind and joy yeah. and doesn't physically break you, great. Like exactly. whatever, you know, as long as it doesn't, you know, that's like, there's, there's no harm in the small things that give you comfort. And mm. one of them is stepping on a plane <laughs> <That's> <laughs> very <exactly>. slowly. <laughs> Another one is a little bit of rose quartz in my bra. So I get it, sweetheart. I, get oh, it. I love it. I'm so glad you do that too. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. So your first time that you cracked on. So basically like your first kiss. I don't know if you have a funny story. Like most people's stories that I've asked them on here is the exact same. It's like, their friends arranged it or they were like shoved into like, you know, it was like the corner of a disco or something like that. Uh, no, um, no. The first time I cracked on, I was at prep school and um, there were woods at the back of the school. And the thing was, are you brave enough to go up to the woods? No, I'm not. I'm not ready to go up to the woods. Ah, oh, you're chicken. Go out to the woods. Who's in the woods? I don't know who's in the woods. Ah, so... Uh, you'd go into the woods, see who was there, and then you might get kissed. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to do it. And I went into the woods, and Brendan Colbert was in the woods. And I'll never forget it. And good old Brendan was there, and he was sitting on, on, on a log and goes, have you come to the woods? I said, I've come to the woods. And so we <laughs> sat there, and, and, um, and he gave me my first kiss. And I went, okay, thanks, boy. I left and never discussed it since. Oh my God. Okay. So it was like a lucky dip. It was a, I was hoping it was going to be Brendan Colbert. It was That's sort nice. of a lucky dip. It was a rite of passage. It, it disgusting. And um, yeah, that was just the drill to be able to tick that box to say, yeah, I kiss someone. Of course I have like totally French them. Yeah. Um, you, you had to be able to, to say that. And Sorry, Brendan was the, who I'm the lucky one. Yeah. And sorry, Brendan, for um, outing you if you're listening. It's his claim to fame. <laughs> oh, as if. <laughs> oh, that's a good story. I really like that one. Um, okay, someone or something that always cracks you up. Oh, Tommy Tiernan, all day long. All day long. Or the old skits of um, Morecambe and Wise. Um, but Tommy Tiernan, all day long. I could, I, I could sit and watch him say nothing and I'd be laughing. Like, yeah. Just, I just, I just, <laughs> the, he just breaks me. He actually breaks me. Have you watched Dairy Girls? I have. I've seen, I have seen Dairy Girls. It's very, very good. And I was only all watching brilliant. It. So good. And Tommy so is brilliant. 
the dad in it, which is funny because like, obviously we know Tommy Tiernan as like this very established, famous comedian. And then it's almost like, because Dairy Girl is really like big in America now and stuff as well. He almost oh, huge. like, yeah. So it's like, he's kind of starting over in a way, which is quite cool that like, he's now getting this like new recognition because it's so funny. He, he is so ridiculous ridiculously funny and his take on life but also he's a great actor like as you've seen in, in Dairy Girl he's so funny I can't I almost can't bear it I have to prepare myself before I watch one of his shows because I know I'm going to be incapacitated and incapable <laughs> of breathing have you seen <laughs> him live yeah no I haven't I'm dying to because of course I was over there I was over on the other side of the, the world so that when when shows open up that's on my him and Jim Jeffries are my, I have to see them live one day. Okay, yeah. I mean, God, I didn't even think. So you've really only had a few months of like normal life since moving back. Here. Yeah, yeah. L- like literally, um, I live quite close to Portobello Road and literally um, uh, in the last couple of days, uh, I feel like I'm living in London. Oh my God. Thank God you moved when you did. Like imagine having lockdown over in America. It just would have been horrible. Nightmare. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it would be nightmare. So um, no, it was great. It was, I thought when we moved, I thought the big stress was going to be Brexit. Ha! Little did I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> isn't it funny coming? to think? Yeah. Well, like even when I, when I got engaged last year, I was like, oh, we're the lucky ones like having our wedding next year because it'll all be over. And it's like all these things that we thought. Yeah. It's like you can only laugh at now. Because you can just, only laugh at. Yeah. I know, because I remember March of that year going, our kids could be grand by July. Yeah, July of two years later. But um, yeah, no, it's, 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 that's funny. But listen, it shows, it shows that we can crack on. It shows that we've got resilience go. and it is possible to debt all fish fingers and it is possible to, to, you know, basically have Netflix go, I'm sorry, we have nothing else you can watch. Literally, <laughs> oh my God. I have watched every reality TV show under the sun. Like, it's like, I didn't think there was any more for me to watch. And then this last year has proven there is. <laughs> there is. There will always be. Yeah. There will always be. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So another one of my questions is a time you cracked under pressure. A time I cracked under pressure. Hmm. Okay time I cracked under pressure uh well I had a an audition with a very big fancy scary producer in the U.S. really quite dominating and powerful and um and his the writing team he was working with and I was um I'd learned my lines. I was all ready. I got into the um, into the holding the holding room where they keep all the actors waiting to go in. All of them, you know, you know pacing and saying the lines and this and things. And you know, in LA, they can be doing everything from you know breath work to sit ups. Um, and uh, I remember watching um, actors would go in confident, like giving it. I got this, and they would come out like ghosts. Like, what is happening in there? And another actor would go in, he'd come out all cocky and come out like a ghost. And a woman who was definitely going up to the same part as me was just like, boom, with just this power, um, went into the room and I thought she's going to be fine. 
and um, she came out shaking, looking down at the, and I was like, what is happening in there? And I said, I don't, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in there. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to go in. And then my name's called and I thought, oh, so the pressure was building up and you're, it's a really big show and it's the biggest guys around. And I thought, and I went in and I did, and the, the, you know, the producer was in the room and he was on his phone with his head down, tip tap, tip tap, tip tap, tip tap. And, uh, and the rest of the crew there who were part of the auditioning were looked just scared and hi and are you okay and I thought why is everybody so timid and the pressure was building and building and building I thought oh my god and so I do start doing the first scene and out of the corner of my eye I can see that the producer is still tippy tappy tippy tappy tippy tappy on the phone I thought that's so rude and then they went okay yes that was amazing can we do can we do go to the second scene I went to the second scene and he's tippy tapping, tipping, tapping on the phone. And he just, he flicked his eyes up and he started watching in the second scene. I could see it just in my peripheral. And uh, then I came to the third scene and I did the third scene and he put his phone down and started focusing. And um, I got to the end of the scene and the crew were just, they were saying, it's okay, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming in. At which point I'm I'm working on a thousand levels of fear and adrenaline and this, that, and the other. And I was I said, thank you for having me. And I turned around to leave and then something in me snapped and I just turned around to the gorilla in the room and I said, can I just tell you that I'm fully aware I'm not going to get this job because I'm about to tell you that the best thing that you've done was put your phone down. It took three scenes to do it. Please don't do it to the rest of the actors. It's really bloody rude. And walked out. And it was like I snapped, like I... I it's like something in me just went and I thought oh obviously I didn't get a job but I thought oh god just don't do that <laughs> but I did I just snapped I just completely snapped but I think that's good that you did that because hopefully mm-hmm. I mean I wonder if those kind of people in LA they're like do they even listen no to they you? don't care yeah no they, they, they don't care but something in me just went ping I don't know whether it was the Irish mammy going you're being really <laughs> you're being really Really mean to the other people in this room and everybody else is coming in here and yeah. stop and behave yourself. Sit down, behave, don't talk. Uh, and it was just, it was, I just, I just snapped. Not proud of it, but you know, I, it happens. It's a good story to tell though. I wonder, I presume it's not like a producer, like we would know. Or would I? Um, you would, but it's not Weinstein, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But yeah. um, okay, I know. It's just so awful the way they do that stuff, though, because it's like you're already nervous and you're so vulnerable in an audition. Like, <gasps> why do you have to make I, I it might. worse? Yeah. It's so mean. I've just thought of another silly one, which oh, is a bit... <laughs> oh, Derek. Now, I'm not very proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. Um but I was doing trial and retribution and I was being a ferocious cop all day long. And I'd had um, I, uh, two young kids who were with me in London because they were preschool age. And um, so uh, I was, I was, you know, I was working maybe 20 hour days between work and kids. And um, I came out of, I was living, I was renting a place next door to a pub um, in Fulham. And um, it was one of those pubs that you can hear when you go to bed at night. They're like, oh, Cressida, I'll go and get me some more pints. Oh, it's one of those, right? You know the ones. And um, so and I, I, I barely slept because I was constantly listening to Cressida and, you know, Jacaranda um, struggling over the peanut quality. And, um, 
And then one morning I came out in the morning and there was vomit all over the stoop, all over the place. So I had to navigate around the vomit to get to the gate to get out to get to work at five o'clock in the morning. And so I thought, huh, that's not very nice. And there was vomit all down the road. And it was obviously came from the pub because, you know, they had a big night out. They were always sitting on my stoop. And I thought, whatever. Anyway, I go to work, have a big, long day at work. The kids come into me at lunchtime. So in my lunch hour, I'm playing glitter bombs. And then I'm back to work and I'm heading back. And I called, I called the pub at about 11 o'clock and said, hi, guys, I know you're open. Could you do me a favor? Unfortunately, some of your customers have um, puked all the way down the road and they've managed to do it on my stoop. Can you just hose that down for me so the kids, when they go to nursery, don't have to trade through it? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I come back from work at about 9 p.m. It's still there. The vomit is still there. No. I'm still very much in cop mode. So I get out of the car. I thank my driver, um, Andy. And he goes, oh, no, mate, what are you going to do? I'm like, don't even. And I go straight into the pub. I'm like, right, where's the manager? I need to talk to him right now. And I'm in full cop, bomb, bomb. I go, what? I said, you said you were going to clear the vomit that's plainly come from your establishment from last night. You guys were, uh, it was it was crazy all night. You know, it. why didn't you clear that up for me? My children had to go through that in a pram. I'm walking. And, today, and you said that you were going to do it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, well, um, you know, there's nothing to say that, you know, the vomit came from someone, you know, in, in our, from our pub. It could be like anyone just like, you know, vomiting there. And I went, right. Walked out of the pub went back to the house, opened up the door, went to the nappy bin, pulled out a filthy, filthy nappy, stood up on the table in the garden and fired it, fired it into their beer garden. At which point the guy goes, oh my God, oh my God, what do you think you're doing? I said, could come from anybody's kids, anybody. Oh my God. And I thought, now that's snapping under pressure. Oh my God, that is genius. I mean, that will no, teach them. No, it's, it's, <laughs> they never did it again, but it's appalling. It's appalling behavior on my part, but I definitely snapped under pressure. I don't think that's that bad. I mean, like your kids have to walk through the vomit. I'm okay with it. Like I, I back it fully. <laughs> I know. Listen, if, if I had been a, a more sensible and calm individual who worked less with less young children, I could have just thrown a bucket of water and got rid of myself. And it's up, but. Look, you're a busy woman. Living. You don't have time to be cleaning up someone else's vomit, okay? <laughs> Unless it's your kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I'm doing that anyway. <laughs> we yeah, used that to live in Borough Market. Snappy. And it was like the same. It was like Borough Market is like, no, and it's it's funny because it's only Monday to Friday because Borough Market closes on Sunday and it's not even yeah. that wild um, on the weekends because it's all like people in the offices and it used to drive me mad. It was that kind of chat like all night in the window. And I that's actually yeah. what like made me get into meditation because I was like, otherwise I'm going to, I'll be throwing nappies and I don't yeah. have any kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be Aaron. Here's a Pampers. I need you to do me a favor. <laughs> um, okay. One thing. Oh yeah. So before um, I kind of wind down, I want to ask what you're up to at the moment and where we can see you next. Um, you can see me next on, um, am I allowed to tell you? Uh, ooh, I don't know. Um, I'll be on the, on the telly in autumn time with a big show um, 
that's coming out. Um, I, I'm, I'm only one episode of eight, um, but it was great fun to do. Um, and was that filmed in London? No, in South Africa. Um, oh, so okay. I, th- um, I think they've released, yeah, I'm in 80 Days Around the World uh, with uh, David Tennant. So that was great fun. Um, and that's our, oh, and Deadly Cuts is this great fun Irish film that we did before the pandemic. Um, and with uh, Angeline Ball, Paulie McGlynn, uh, it's, it's a really great broad comedy. Um, Shauna Higgins, it's and it's it's hairdressers, gangster hairdressers. It's so fun. The poster and everything. It looks so it's good. So fun. And I got to play a completely evil South Sider who's so over the top I can't even tell you. And <laughs> um and uh uh so that that is probably coming out this summer, I would have thought. That's their plan at least. Um it's done really well in the festival circuit, so that's great because obviously they're all virtual, but um, that's done very well there. Great reviews, so I'm really thrilled about that. Um, but at the moment, I'm in development. I've got six shows in development that I've been creating. Wow. Two reality, um, four um, dramas, and um, uh, one of them uh, um, I was hired by a producer in LA to write, so I've just delivered that. So that's, what, that's how I've been um, keeping the crazy from the door. Amazing. I'm so excited for everything that's coming up. Um, I love to finish. So as I mentioned before, I am obsessed with reality TV. Now you may not have an answer for this, but my final question for you is who is your favorite reality TV star? Who is my favorite reality TV star? Oh my God. It's got to be the two old biddies from Bristol on Gogglebox. Have you ever seen that? Yes. So I'm not up to date with Gogglebox, but I know it. I, if they're like the OGs, I'll know them. Oh, well, um, um, they're, I, well, I want to say they're Mary and Margaret or something. Uh... They are so ridiculous. Um, but let me see. In terms of reality stars that would be more in your... What do I watch? What? did I watch recently oh I know what I watched and I thought she was hilarious was the circle Chloe okay I have yeah she's like she's like that it's like I can't believe it I can't believe I'm like popular and she's hilarious um I'll take that as that's a good answer I mean this is making me want to watch the circle now and that's one that I haven't covered well get across it that's the only one I have seen um uh, um because it was part of part of something else I was doing but, you know, the ultimate reality star has to be Stella Brack with her dating shows with uh, Blind Date. Like, and I know that's not a reality show, but it kind of was. Yeah. No, I, I will take day, that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, um, I have watched Love Island, but I feel really sad that I have. But I can't really <laughs> remember any of their names. Oh, but Maura Higgins, it seems like she's great crack. Yes, she's cool. She seems really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, these are some great answers. Okay. okay I'll so we'll one. go with Maura Higgins. Yes. Yeah. yeah you uh, there answered. we go. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just want to thank you for coming on. I mean, this has just been absolutely amazing. And I've loved all your, your tales of cracking on. You're so brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And I hope I haven't destroyed um, your perception of, of me with um, all the tales of cracking on. You are even but, better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, thank you. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with the wedding. So exciting. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. To not just this episode, but any episode from season one, you've contributed to helping the podcast be a success and every share, subscribe or rating is, yes, boosting my ego, but also helping the podcast reach a wider audience. So thank you so much. And I hope you will join me in a few months for some more incredible guests and insightful interviews on season two of Crack On. Thank you.